0: Today's reading is Colossians three twelve seventeen. 17. It can okay. be found on page, is this okay, of, um, page 1090 of the Bible's next to your seats as well as on the screen. This is God's Word. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other. singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. The word of the Lord.
1: Thanks, to God. Will you uh, join me in prayer? God of grace, as we enter into this room together, I pray that you join us, especially now in this time as we try to understand what you are saying to us. And whether we come from a place where that makes a lot of sense to us because we we know you uh, we have a long term understanding of you or your presence in our lives or whether we come more from a a place of confusion distance or just not really sure what we believe um if we come whether we come with things that have been going on in this in our lives this week that have come to the surface and dominated things in our in our world and made it made it seem like perhaps it's difficult just to put one foot in front of the other or whether we come uh rejoicing because something some door has opened or you've become real in a way we didn't expect wherever we come from, join us, meet us because all of us are in the same boat, we're more of a mess than we care to admit in your story in these scripture pages. They tell us that you that despite the fact that we're more of a mess than we care to admit that you have decided to move towards us with your grace so that we could really hang on to the truth that we are more loved and accepted than we ever imagined through Christ. Make that come alive for us today, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Um, Today we're talking about this ancient uh, attribute called long-suffering. It's a word we don't really use anymore. Uh, If you go to a wedding, you'll hear the most common scripture text used starts this way. See if you can finish it. Love is patient, and the the ancient word the way it used to be translated was with that ancient word long suffering and I realized, wow, this is great what a what a perfect thing because how many of you are awesome at patience? Can we see some hands? How many of you are just you just hit it out of the park? You don't even need to be here. Let's go ahead. you can actually leave if you I mean, I I realized this week, I thought, wow, I had no idea in choosing this ancient word. I didn't even have a good grasp on it. I just thought, let's revisit whatever that (laughs) word is, long-suffering. And I found out, whoa, I need this so badly myself. I don't know anything about it. I don't have it at all. Our culture, it seems, is surrounding us with, with there's no need to be patient, really. We have no pressure to be patient. With anything. In fact, the way uh, Louis C.K. put it in the, the video that went viral on Conan O'Brien, he said, basically the, the way he put it was, um, uh, we everything that we have is awesome, and it's wasted on the most ungrateful group of people ever in the world. You know, the idea that we we yell at our cell phone if it's two seconds late. You know. Um, and I, I mean, I, I'm right there. Like, I, last time I rode on an Amtrak train, I was frustrated that the guy said they didn't have wireless high-speed internet anymore. You know, I was, you know, he, they used to have it, and then the time I rode, they didn't have it, and I was, you know, I, what am I gonna do for this hour if I can't simultaneously speak and see someone from across the world, you know, and download giant high-resolution videos and send messages? Um, I read a book about John Adams by David McCullough a few years ago and one of the things that stood out was the idea of being a diplomat for the United States in Europe uh, during the revolution and having to make these decisions about whether France would be their ally, whether the Netherlands would give them money, big decisions making on behalf of America and every once in a while having to get feedback from the fellow representatives in America and having to write a letter and put it in the you know a person's hand and then wait three months until you know, the answer comes, it just, and here I am, you know. No high-speed internet for an hour. It, you know, everything's working against us developing patience. The idea that, we, th- that there's anything that's, that's helping you or teaching you how to wait. Wait. You, you can think of situations in your life where, wow, if you knew how to wait. If we knew how to delay gratification... Um, if if you know how to hang in there for the long haul with relationships, with family, with um, neighborhoods, with a job, with church community, we need this. So let's get into it. And there's three things we're going to look at from this passage um, in Colossians. First, you get your patience. You get patience from God. Second, you get patience from God's patience with you and third it then changes your relationship so first you get patience from God in the word this this word that it's translated long suffering and you see it here in verse it's translated as patience in verse 12 this word in the greek is I'm just going to throw a couple of greek words out today don't don't freak out it's not to be not to kind of do smoke and mirrors or anything it really is just kind of interesting a couple of these words so so makrothumia is the word and macro means long or stretched out, macro thumia. And and then the thumia part is from thumis, it's a it's a Greek word that means like a, a blast or an outburst of passion uh, or an explosion. So you if you have macrothumia, you are long there's a long time before you explode, before you, you blow up. You know, that's how we talk about it. I just blew up on him, you know. Well, if you have macrothumia, it's long, it's drawn out. It takes a long time to get to that point where you explode. And we, you know, we have these places in Scripture where this is talked about. In Galatians chapter 5, maybe you've heard this, the fruit of the Spirit, you know, and then it includes the word macrothumia, patience, long suffering, long, if you think about it, long fused. Like, not short fused, but long fused. And where does it come from? Well, in Galatians, that whole list of things, the fruit of the Spirit, it's all about it, comes from the Spirit. You don't actually generate it or produce it. It comes from God and His Holy Spirit. And then in this passage, we see a stunning a stunning picture of how we get this kind of um, supernatural patience. In chapter 1, actually, the same word comes up again in chapter 1, verse 9 and 10. And the Apostle Paul is writing to these early churches, and he says, For this reason... Thing. How do you get this macrothemia, this long fusedness, this patience? How do you get it? He says, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work and growing, wait, I lost my place here, yeah, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and long-fusedness, patience, macrothumia. So you, where do you get it from? Paul is convinced. He's hundreds of miles away from this church and these people that he's writing to, and he, he's convinced that he spends time, he and others who know of these people, they spend spends time asking God to give it to them. So you get it from God. But then there's a um, a mystery about how the Apostle Paul, when he writes this, this, is a mystery he gets into. It's 100% from God, you know, and if you truly encounter God's grace for your mess, for your sin, then this patience will flow out by God's strength and power, will flow out of your life. And yet Paul gets at a mystery here, and he doesn't really over-explain it, he just gives us some images. This whole passage that we started with it, that Karen read, started with the, the most important word to pay attention to was clothe yourselves. It actually, in the in the Greek, they jumble words around more, and it's the first word for priority. The whole point of this, it's this, this word, put it on like clothing. And it's an imperative. It's like, you know, command form. Do this. Clothe yourself. So 100% laid out for you, produced, made possible by God, and yet... Do it, you know, put it on, clothe yourself. And I, I, um, every once in a while with little kids, you know, you, you ask them to put something on and they practically throw a tantrum because they don't want to wear, some of your smiling, you have kids, they don't want to wear the thing. And you say, Look, it's going to rain, it's cold, it's not a short stay, I'm sorry. You know, daddy knows better, put on the pants. And so you have these kind of interactions where, and in a sense, what this passage is saying is basically, spiritually speaking, we have the ability to do the exact same thing, and you know we do. We have the we we can throw a tantrum about that which is laid out for us, accomplished for us, put just right before us. Obviously, if we were to clothe ourselves with it, we wouldn't be boasting about our clothes. We'd be it, it'd be just showcasing what God has made possible. Just put it on, but we don't, and we don't. We do it subconsciously. We don't always do it. Sometimes we do it consciously. Sometimes we do it subconsciously. But that which God has laid out for us, we say. You know, we're over here and we're putting on shorts. And God's saying, I know it's best. It's going to rain today. So Paul gives us this, you know, it's a mystery. 100% produced by God. Yep. Here's something to do. Put it on. And um, another place you see it is later on in the passage where with peace, the same kind of dynamic is at work. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. You catch that? How it's built in right there? The peace of Christ, that Christ has accomplished. This stunning, perfect peace that can dominate your life, God's accomplished it. If you have it, it's it's it flows out of you, and yet you have to you have a role. You let it rule. It's not a dictator that comes in and starts pushing everything around. You let it in, and when it rules, man, it's like can you imagine every every action you do, every decision you make is like is like an edict of this peace, this this absolute peace and confidence that everything's going to be okay. But you've got to let it in. So the dynamic is there, and you notice even in Galatians with the fruit of the Spirit text that I referenced, there, if you know that text really well, the reference is, there's a similar image, and it's to being in step with the Spirit. That See, it's all these things that come from the Spirit, and yet it's still in cl- command form, be in step with it. Um, walk in the way of the Spirit. It's as if Um, God has accomplished this incredibly complex, impossible choreography that you didn't have to do, and and yet you get to dance it. Here you go. Dance. Just dance. Take the steps. There's the red dot. Put your foot on it. That's that's basically what that's saying. This is all there. It's all possible. Just put your foot in in the place. And if you're still having trouble getting how this mystery works, then verse 12 really unlocks it when, it when Paul is writing about this and gets down to the issue of our identity. Because this is where it all comes together, really. Because you know that there's... Can you think about an issue, a point in your life, can you think of an ins- instance where um, you just laugh after the fact when you think about how, how you blew up about something or how impatient you got and you go, and you look back and you go, what was I, why, how did I get into that intense, wound up place? And I just was, I mean, and you just laugh, you say, how did I get there? What, what was at stake? Um, the truth is, that's kind of what Paul is saying with these powerful images of our identity. He's trying to remind us that if you're a Christian, there's nothing at stake. Look, the most important things are taken care of. You are God's chosen people. That's something God did, and by by that He has made you holy and dearly loved. And you think about even if you just pick one of those images, the chosen one. Take that. The idea is that you know we're, we're striving after all these different things in our lives, and and usually when we get kind of blow up, it has to do with someone getting in the way of something we're striving after. And Paul's saying, "Look, this is this is offered to you already. You're God's chosen people. What if someone came into your life?" and said basically like they just spent a couple minutes with you and they and they just looked at you and they kind of stood back in awe and said what have we here that I'm, I am amazed You, I've got to say it, you are the most unique person you are like my new favorite person in the whole world and I'm going to make sure I don't lose you I'm going to stick to you I mean if, if somebody out of the blue just came into your life, how much of a difference that, that would probably first you'd, you'd think they were mentally ill, probably, right? You say, Who who does that, right? I just made up a, a very silly analogy, but if they did and it was it was legitimate and you knew that it was real, you would there might be a sense in which you would just kinda say, Wow and a lot of other things would just kinda come to a halt and you go and you'd kind of say to yourself, Really? Could that be true? Did someone really finally see me? You know, did they someone came and chose me as their favorite? Well, that's what Paul is saying that, you know, just to look at one of these identity-shaping things that he says right at the beginning, that's what's true about us, the God of the universe, that he's come in and said, I have deci- I choose you. You're my new favorite. I want to stick with you forever. I want to make sure that we're stuck together. You're welcome in my presence, and I want it to be that way forever. Now, that's true about you so that you're, you're, there's nothing more at stake When you have an impatient outburst, there was something that you were thinking was at stake that was really important. And this is sort of the counter-message to that of the gospel is there's nothing at stake anymore because of the identity-changing thing that has happened when Jesus took your place on the cross and offered you that new reconciliation with God. You're his favorite. You're chosen. So you get patience you see how it's all kind of orchestrated and done by God? You get it from God. And then secondly, you get patience from God's patience with you. Now, there's another Greek word I told you I was going to introduce a couple. The other one is called is orge. That's, that's the Greek word for wrath or anger, but it's, it's a settled opposition against something that's destructive. And God has this. And there's more. Usually in the Bible, it's aimed at us. Um because of sin. Now, you're thinking like most people do, that's that's a problem. <laughs> that's you know, you probably don't like it, and it's viewed as a problem, and it is. It's sort of the underlying question throughout scripture because it's there. And thankfully God has something else too. He also has macrothumia. He also is long suffering. He's where we get it from. And so throughout the Bible, the drama and the pressure builds. Because you look at it and you see that the um, destructive, selfish, wayward patterns of us, of humanity, they don't, it doesn't seem to decrease much in this story. If you look at the Bible as, a, as kind of a drama and how God is unfolding working with us. So this is a problem that this doesn't decrease. Our waywardness doesn't decrease. It's a problem because God has decided to have a relationship with us. That's Again, that's another big theme of this whole book. And so you have this building tension. He has a relationship with us, but this this waywardness, this sin, this brokenness, it's not going away. And so you have kind of the macrothumia, you have the long-suffering, the incredible long-fusedness of God, but you also have this legitimate opposition to destructive wayward behavior and they're at play and as the pressure builds you wonder you say one of these things has to give either he's got to just kind of let go of the gay side the wrath side the opposition to sin and just let that fuse be perpetually long or he's got to drop the long fusedness and just finally you know settle it all with legitimate wrath and you're kind of when is this going to happen what's the solution how's this going to build because the waywardness isn't going away and then you see it if you follow the story he finds a way to deal with both and not have to drop either. And as that pressure builds, he finds a way for the pressure valve to be released without us getting blasted. We don't receive the blast. His son receives the blast so that you and I can enter into a depressurized relationship with God. And I, as I was thinking about how how real that is from this scriptural pages and I thought, you know what? If there's anything that people think about when they walk into a church when they think about the Bible it's pressure. Right? I'm going to walk into a church and then the pressure is going to get thrown at me from all angles. There's going to be pressure. It's going to be pressure. And just really think about it. Has this sunk sunk in yet for you? Have you really embraced the fact that the God of the Bible says I've made a way to depressurize. Please just enter into the relationship with me and, and it's depressurized, and I've made it that way so that you could find I could finally have you and be in relationship with you. And he did it through the cross. That's why the cross. That's why this. That that is the central event. It's the central piece of the Bible for Christians. Is his son came on the cross to to bring about that incredible solution. So that it, what ends up happening is that actually it's talked about as is bringing God showing God the most glory possible, the most fame, the thing that would attract the world to God is this amazing otherworldly way that he ends up dealing with these two things in a way that does justice to both, but saves us from getting blasted. And that's what brings God glory. That's what shines out into this world. His patience gets the upper hand with us over his wrath. And And so this is just a whole new way to think about patience. You get your patience from God's patience with you you have to see yourself in that drama really and you have to see that patience is not just some kind of you know you're not coming here for a list of things to do during Lent and here's another one patience and tell me the five ways to get better at patience you know here I'll be a better person if I put, if I try a few things and be more patient patience is what saved you and it becomes what you are really it's a part of you it's in you it is your new identity and that can't help but lead to the next the third point and we'll close with this, that it then changes your relationships. The stunning context of this passage is that right before, and you know me, I always do this, I always look a little broader from what we're reading. Right before we read this text, you see the kind of context that Paul is writing into. It's this mixed bag of all different cultures in one community. So he writes, he says, there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised. That's basically to say, you know, Jewish or non-Jewish. There's no barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all... is in all. He's talking about this radical ethnic and socio-economic diversity that's in the Christian community, especially here, a lot more than maybe what we're experiencing at city life. And he's writing to this church, and then he's saying, you know, put on uh, macrotheuma, be long fused with each other. And you, if you know anything about. Um, I mean, Mark hinted at it today with a, a church of of Brazilians, and you know, and just some of the differences. If you've ever seen a relationship of people who've married but they've come from different cultures, and now you've got the in-laws with all these expectations for this or that, you know how many opportunities um, in the kind of situation Paul is describing in the church that they would have to to blow up on each other, and to try out their patience, and to get impatient with all these expectations and differences. Um, and he's and. And that's what he's speaking into. That's the context that we're talking about. So, so the bigger idea is this, in terms of relationship, in terms of how uh, long-suffering patience changes our relationships. The bigger, bigger issue is this. If you have caught a glimpse of how God has been so incredibly patient, patient with you, if you've caught a glimpse of that, if it's connected with you, if you see, if you, you're amazed that there's nothing now at stake because of God's patience with you, but then it's like something so powerful has happened with you that you would want to then now, you'd say, I want to have relationships here. I want to have all my relationships have some of this action. This is so good to be in a relationship where the relationship's not at stake. And there's a patience, a long fusedness with each other. I want to have that with people. I want to have that in my Christian community. That's, that's kind of the dynamic. That's how it's supposed to work. Um, that you'd want to reflect. you want it to be a mirror of what's happening with you and God. And the trouble is that most of us most of us we're so far from what this community, the the natural kind of multi everything church that this was, it's kind of incredible, really, it's out of this world. We're so far from that kind of diving into community together. I think really because most of us are just too impatient even to wait around for these kind of relationships to develop. Even with people who aren't even that terribly different from us. It's tedious. It takes time. Um, And basically, so we end up, you know, coming kind of swooping in and saying, tell me how to be a little more patient. I want to apply it to my work. I want to apply it to the clerk at the grocery store. I want to apply it to that driver that gave me the one-finger salute, you know, and you get all these things you want to privately go out and apply it to. And what this passage is saying is it fits within this. It shines out into the world within the context of the small and big differences of a Christian community. You know, hang around long enough with people that it tries your patience and that you develop, you're sort of forced to develop this long-fusedness. Um, really, if, if you're avoiding it, it's like you're getting a distant, watered-down version of the Christian faith. If you've ever wanted it to be, you feel like, man, it should be more catalytic. It should be more vibrant. It could be of just this symptom we have culturally of not hanging around long enough with people, even to begin to develop the sort of patience that reflects God's patience with each other. You want a full dose of that? You want to live in that? You want that to come alive? You want the gospel to come alive? Get into relationships that stretch out your fuse. And you can do that here. You can do that with your family. Um, So let's pray that that might happen. God of grace, we're looking at how you are the source of this patience. And so we pray to you and we ask you to make us uh, patient with each other and with those in our lives. And may that just flow out of our connection with you so that whether today we once knew about the gospel, we once knew what you've done for us, but it's gone really dim or dull. Remind us of how patient you have been with us and how catalytic that can be in our life. whether We've we've never even connected with that. Help us to just make one more step towards believing that you really have approached us and made us your favorite and showered us with worthiness through your Son on the cross and make this community burst forth with deep relationships that uh, hang in there with each other, that are willing to wait and that are in there for the long haul so that we develop a kind of patience that shines out into the world and makes people wonder what on earth happened to this group of people, that they're so patient with each other. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.